You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown! You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. It's not Victory Monday because we had Victory Friday. The Packers had Sunday off because they played on Thursday. If you missed our discussion about that Thursday game, go back and check that out. We're going to talk about some of the teams that did play on Sunday, the impact of the Green Bay Packers uh, on those games and, and of course, those games on Green Bay's uh, prospects moving forward. Uh, there were a, a number of big games. And I think when you look at what's going on with Green Bay, you have to like the position they're in. When you look at their schedule now, and they, they have this game with the Jaguars coming up, but I think you can make the case that they're going to be favored in every game the rest of the year except maybe at Indianapolis. And who knows what happens when Indianapolis plays this Thursday night against the Titans. Maybe the Titans destroy them. Who knows? I don't think that's likely, but it's certainly possible. They have the Jaguars this week. They play in Indianapolis. Then they're home for the Bears, home for the Eagles, at Detroit, home for Carolina, home for Tennessee, and they finish up the season at Chicago. Certainly the only place that it's even feasible, assuming you know guys stay mostly healthy, that Green Bay would not be favored is at Indianapolis, which means if they win all the games that they're supposed to win, and, and we know that that's not always going to happen. Of course, they were supposed to win two weeks ago. And Dalvin Cook, who is on an absolute heater right now, took them to task and they lost a game that they rightfully should have won based on talent. Of course, not every game is decided by talent. You have to go out there and you have to prove it. The Jaguars in week one beat a Colts team that we think is pretty solid. I don't know if they're great, but they're solid. They lost decisively to Baltimore on Sunday because they couldn't stop turning the ball over. And that is something that Green Bay is, of course, going to want to do in their matchup. You have to like the position Green Bay is in. And part of that is because, you know, you beat the Saints. That helps with your outlook in the NFC. Of course, the the loss to Tampa Bay looms. and, And we need to see where Tampa finishes. They're essentially right now a half a game ahead of Green Bay no matter what. Because if they finish with the same record then Green Bay loses the tiebreaker in a head-to-head. So that is something, and if it's a three-teamer, then you know maybe that's an, an advantageous position for Green Bay to be in. But you look at what's going on around the league. Seattle gets absolutely demolished by the Bills. And I know the final score doesn't tell the whole story, but that game was not close for most of the game. Buffalo hangs 44 on Seattle in Seattle. In a game that was two-plus scores the entire time, three-plus for a lot of it. 
And Russell Wilson has four turnovers. I think the Aaron Rodgers uh, MVP buzz is going to heat back up, especially with the way the, the Chiefs struggled with the Panthers on Sunday, although Carolina is on Green Bay schedule. That's not going to be a gimme game. They've played plenty of teams tough. They played the Saints tough. They've now played the Chiefs tough. I mean, they're they're a well-coached team. They're a smart team, and they're especially on offense, a talented team. But Green Bay is in a really good position. They're looking at 13 and 3. And 12 and 4, if you build in, you know, a dumb loss. They're better, in my opinion. They're better than every team left on their schedule. And if you take ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, they are better than every team left on their schedule. And there are, you know, a number of metrics that show that Green Bay is better than these teams. And in a year where the pandemic negates a lot of the home field advantage, just being the better team might mean more than it would in another year where fans and weather and crowd noise can have all kinds of impacts. And if you look at DVOA, Football Outsiders, Defense Adjusted Value Over Average, well, Indianapolis is ahead of Green Bay. They lost. Seattle is ahead of Green Bay. They lost. And no one else. I mean, Indianapolis is is going to fall. Man, I don't know if they'll fall past Green Bay, but they're probably going to close to even. You know, we'll see what the numbers say. I, I think Green Bay is a better team. Now, the Colts have the kind of defense that could give Green, Green Bay some problems. It could give the Packers offense some issues. But still, they have a chance to repeat their 13-3, and three, to, re- to get to 12-4 and four with a little bit of cushion. And then you never know. And the dance is going to be a little bit different this year because of the expanded playoffs. There's some talk that they might get to eight teams, not just seven, that in order to try and recoup some of the lost revenue – that you're actually going to remove first round buys and just go one eight two seven three six four five and just play, and you know that would that would create a, a wrinkle that we've never seen before. It would certainly make home field at the top less important. The home field throughout part because you don't get the buy. The buy is part of the appeal of home field throughout. And if we're still in pandemic protocols, which it looks like we're going to be then that advantage is negated a little bit. So the difference between the one seed and the two seed is not what it used to be. That's a double-edged sword for Green Bay because you think their home field advantage for them matters more than some other teams. You know, going to play in Tampa, obviously Green Bay didn't play well in Tampa, but going to Tampa, you don't expect the fans to play a huge role in the outcome of that game. Maybe the Heat would, and, and I think there's some case to be made the Heat affected the Packers, it's not going to matter in January. Now, the other way, having the Bucs come to Lambeau Field in the cold, yeah, except that Green Bay didn't handle the cold, at least according to Aaron Rodgers, as well as they could have. I mean, he said that after the Vikings game, that they just, they didn't play as well as they could have. And that part of the reason was the cold. It was the only explanation he could come up with as to why they didn't play with the kind of intensity that they would need against the division rival. So when the Packers, who don't look at it this way, by the way, fans look at it, media look at it, we look at it. Oh, you look forward, you look at all that stuff. No, the Packers have to go beat the Jaguars this week because if you overlook any team, like I said, Jacksonville beat the Colts in week one. 
And a team loses a dumb game to a bad team every week. I mean, look at look at Cowboys Steelers and and what happened in that game. And it, it we we just we see it all the time. The Patriots last year lost to the Dolphins at the end of the year in a game that they had no business losing, a game that had major playoff implications, and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick lost that football game. You need to you need to bring that intensity every week. And that's something that Green Bay is still learning a little bit. Because there, a lot of these guys have not been in that position before. Jair Alexander, Sedarius Smith, Preston Smith, uh, you know, Aaron Jones. They're new to this winning thing. They're new to having the spotlight on them. You know, they were all in the playoffs last year. But before that, I mean, Preston Smith didn't go to the playoffs. Sedarius Smith wasn't the marquee defensive player on a, on a championship caliber defense. The stakes are different. And so I'm fascinated to see down the stretch what, if anything, changes about this team. Because as I said, these are all winnable games. I mean, they could run the slate. They probably won't just because it's the NFL. But as I said, I think they're better than every team. So do they bring it every week? Do they find a way to match intensity every week? To play to their talent every week? Because they played to their talent on Thursday night in a game that... By the way, no one is giving them credit for. I heard it on the the national radio shows, some of the talking head shows. It was a lose-lose. And some of it is incoherent. Oh, you know, the Packers had nothing to gain by winning because it's a bad team. Okay, well, then they showed up. In a game where they had nothing to gain, they showed up, they took care of business, and they beat the crap out of the 49ers. End of story. We move on now. It doesn't have to be some massive revealing thing about this team. They did what they were supposed to do. And the rest of the season, there are plenty of games. This Sunday is another one where they need to go in and just beat the crap out of the Jaguars. And we can't sit here on Monday if they do that and say, oh, well, it's the Jaguars. No, good teams take care of their business. And when you look at Green Bay's schedule, they've got a lot of business coming up that they can take care of. And good teams Blow out bad teams. If Green Bay is winning these games and winning them decisively, they're doing what they need to do. Now, you can question if they're able to play some of these better teams. They haven't played a lot of them. Maybe Minnesota is better than we thought. You know, they've looked better certainly in recent weeks. The Saints, I still think the Saints are a good team. Green Bay went in and beat them. The Falcons, we knew the Falcons were talented and Green Bay beat the crap out of the Falcons without any of their guys. No Alan Lazard, no Devontae Adams. And they hung 30 on the Falcons and beat them pretty decisively. The defense played well. Even in a game where Julio only played a half, they still have Calvin Ridley. They still have Matt Ryan. And Green Bay's defense hung in there. Are they a good team? Nah, probably not. Green Bay doesn't have that many more chances, though, to play a good team. They've got Tennessee... They've got Indianapolis. Those are really their toughest games left because I don't think the Bears are that good. They didn't look good again on Sunday. And that's to, that's to the Packers' credit. But for a team that came up short in its biggest game against the best opponent it faced, you'd want them to be battle-tested. So that's what I mean when I say I want to see how they respond to some of these games. Good teams are going to beat the crap out of these bad teams just to say this is who we are. 
We take pride in our work and we are better than you. And so we are just going to pound the daylights out of you. That is what we do to bad teams. That's what I want to see. And they, they should get credit for that because every week, good teams let bad teams play them a little too close and they, they don't do it impressively. And that was Green Bay last year. And we had concerns about that. We had concerns about their intensity levels. And guess what? We saw it in January. They didn't have the intensity levels. They didn't have the execution levels. And they let up against and let down against a really good team. Over the next month, two months, show you have the intensity. Go get that one seat and show the rest of the NFC. Show yourself that you are a Super Bowl contender. And even in these games where the other team doesn't have as much talent, go out and prove it on the scoreboard. We're going to get to more in just a little bit. When it comes to staying in shape or getting in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you fun and challenging workouts from the comfort of your home. We're not going to gyms right now. Everything we're doing, we're doing from home. So why not have a state-of-the-art piece of equipment? Plus, their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's echelon.com slash NFL. I want to talk about the Seahawks. And the reason I want to talk about the Seahawks is because we found out that the Packers, in their pursuit of Will Fuller, were also trying to trade for Dalvin Tomlinson, the Giants defensive tackle. And the Giants said, sorry, no dice. Uh, we're not interested in trading our captain. Okay. It's a reminder it takes to, to tango. And it's also an indication that the Green Bay Packers were trying to make their team better. Right? These are things that matter. Now, why do I want to talk about the Seahawks? In the offseason, Seattle made additions to their offensive line. They made a blockbuster trade for Jamal Adams. And at the trade deadline, they went and traded for Carlos Dunlop. Plenty of football left, right? A lot of games to be played in the regular season and the playoffs. But you know what we haven't seen yet? We haven't seen Seattle beat a good team yet. Not really, unless you count the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are going to be fine. On Sunday, the Bills, who, by the way, have a reputation for having a good defense, brought in the bottom half of the league in DVOA. They hit Russell Wilson 16 times, the most of any quarterback this season. He fumbled twice. He threw two picks and was generally not very good. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. And they look fatally flawed. They look like a team that when they play an offense that can score with them, they have to be perfect. And if they're not perfect, they're going to lose because they can't get stops when they need them. If you think Green Bay's defense is bad, 
this Seahawks defense looks worse because they don't have a pass rush. And they did get after Josh Allen a little bit. Part of that is they had to get very aggressive, blitzing five and six and seven, and trusting that Josh Allen would not get the ball out quick enough. In a lot of cases, he didn't. Or he tried to make a play with his legs and couldn't. Couldn't escape. He doesn't have a lot of pocket awareness, and the, and the book on Josh Allen is blitz him. That's not going to work against Aaron Rodgers. If you have to bring five guys, six guys consistently to pressure Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to beat the Packers. If you need to bring five guys, six guys to, to beat the Buccaneers, you're not going to beat Tom Brady. You're not going to beat Drew Brees doing that stuff. So the Seahawks defense is a major problem. But from an approach standpoint, they did exactly what they were supposed to do, right? They went out and then they made a big swing. And they did the thing at the trade deadline. They actually got somebody. And yet it doesn't really seem to matter. And part of that is because Jamal Adams has been hurt. Guys get hurt. It's the NFL. Part of it is a a, a fatally flawed roster construction without defensive backs. Because Jamal Adams is not really a cover player. They don't have guys who can cover. And if you don't have guys who can cover, you're going to give up 44 points to Josh Allen. And if Russell Wilson is going to get pressured because your offensive line is not great and because the other team is scoring at will, then you can't run the ball. You can't you can't make defenses play honest. And you have to rely on Russell Wilson to do everything. The irony of which is delicious because early in his career, no quarterback since Tom Brady and maybe maybe more than Tom Brady early in his career anyway, no quarterback benefited more from a defense keeping his team in the ball game late so that he could be the hero. I mean, how many games did Russell Wilson win where he threw for 160 yards, a touchdown, and an interception? Just because he made a play late, a drive late, he pulled a play out of his butt, and all of a sudden, you know, the Seahawks win 13-10. And it's something like that. And now, they played eight games. Six quarterbacks have thrown for over 300 yards. And the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo left the game, but Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins combined for over 300 yards. The only guy who didn't do it was Kirk Cousins, and they were a fourth and one away from beating the Seahawks in that game anyway. The Seahawks did what a lot of fans were begging the Packers to do. They made the splashy offseason move. They made the trade deadline move. And guess what? It hasn't mattered. This team is good because Russell Wilson is good, because DK Metcalf is a freaking monster, and because Tyler Lockett at any time can take a slant to the house or he can turn you know, a, a go ball into an 80-yard touchdown. They have two guys who can do that, and they have a quarterback who is the best deep ball thrower I've ever seen in my life. But they cannot get stops despite the investment that they made in it. Why are we talking about this? Obviously. Because the Packers didn't do that stuff. They didn't make the splashy move in the offseason. They didn't make the trade deadline move. And guess what? They're in a better position right now than the Seahawks. They have a better chance to get the number one seed than the Seahawks. And they look like a better team. Now part of that is they were starting from a different place. But making a move is not a guarantee, number one, that that move works, and number two, that making a move was good. 
Because if Jamal Adams doesn't make this team better, if he has to be their best pass rusher, then you gave up premium draft capital to get a player who hasn't made your defense appreciably better. And they didn't give up much to get to get Carlos Dunlap. I understand that, but it's still money that they're having to allocate there. They use a first round pick on a on a player that isn't really making an impact as a pass rusher, Collier. Someone I liked, in fact, by the way, but they took him too high. And going all in has not resulted in a team that looks like the best in the conference. I'm not even sure they're the third or fourth best team in the conference right now. I'm not sure they're as good as the Rams or the Cardinals or the Saints. Let's throw out the NFC East because we get to. But that's where all their wins have come so far. Those are the teams they've beaten and Atlanta. And, you know, I don't I don't know what to think of them as a team right now, but certainly they haven't proven it. Now, now none of this is to say, oh, Green Bay was right to stand pat and that standing pat is a better decision to make than than going for it. But the point that I'm making here is just because a team tries doesn't mean that the results will bear fruit. And I, I, I think sometimes we forget that. And that fans, there is a perception among some of them. I don't want to certainly speak for everyone. But there are people out there who cheer for their team. And it's not just Packer fans. It's every fan base has a group of fans who they want to play Madden. And they want to churn the roster. And they just want to take these swings. And they say, you know, the future be damned. We're not going to give up. We're going to give up whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Go get your guy. I'm sick of I'm sick of being in on these conversations, but not getting our guy. And I would have given up a third for Will Fuller. Okay. Great. It's a 50-50 shot that that guy is good for you. It's a 50-50 shot that that guy makes an impact on your team in a positive way, a meaningful impact. So how much time do we need to spend worrying about what is and isn't done? The team that they have is the team that they have. Would I have done the Will Fuller deal? Yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have. But there's certainly an argument to be made against it. I don't think it was a no-brainer. And it's not proof that the Packers are not trying to win. That's ridiculous. So I just, again, I, I want it to be clear. Making a move is not inherently good. I think trying is good, and fans want to know that their team is trying to win. The Packers are trying to win. They're just not trying the way that everyone likes necessarily. And, you know, Will Fuller has the long touchdown for the Texans. And it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, the, the Packers, you know, whoever the, the 120th player is, is, is probably not going to be as good as that guy or the 90th player if you're talking about a third round pick. Yeah, I get it. It makes for it makes for good jokes on Twitter. And look, I, I, I think from a philosophy standpoint, I agree with that. But I think we we take it a little too far. It's the same thing, fantasy football every year. We expect the rookies, they're always overvalued in every fantasy draft we do. Every, every rookie running back goes three rounds too high. Every rookie receiver goes three rounds too high. Every rookie quarterback goes three rounds too high because we expect them to just come in and be great. Except most rookies suck. And it's the case that most free agents also suck. 
Because most players in the NFL are baseline level players. They're average or below. A roster has 53 guys on it. Most teams have six or eight really good players. And the rest are just there. They are just making the machine move. Most of the guys are those guys. And so I guess I'll put it simply. If the Packers had made a move in the offseason for Jamal Adams and he's given the Packers defense as much as he's given Seattle, would you feel differently about it? Would you be happy about it? And I think the answer for some people is going to be yes because it shows that they're trying. Reasonable. I think that's a reasonable perspective to have. It's not how I would look at it, but it's a reasonable perspective to have. At the same time, if it's about the results, then Seattle hasn't made their team significantly better, or at least not made them significantly better than they were last year. They're not in that upper tier of NFL teams right now because they can't stop anybody. They can't stop anybody, despite the fact that they allocated so many resources to that side of the ball. So it's not even a be careful what you wish for situation. It's not. But it doesn't guarantee success. So making a move... Just remember, these things don't always work out. And if you need any evidence of that, just go back and watch any of the four turnovers Russell Wilson has. Just go back and watch the 44 points that Buffalo puts up or the Vikings game where they're a fourth down stop away from losing. I mean, these things are still going to happen. And remember, Green Bay is a really good team. And when they're healthy, I think they've proven over the course of the season They're as good as anybody. They really are. And the parity is a big part of our game. And so you're going to lose some of these games. It's just shit happens, right? Aaron Rodgers said that. What I don't want is for fans and and media and and whomever to get caught up in the, uh, uh, every time they play bad, uh, they should have traded. All right. What about all the teams that made those moves and they still can't play? What about all of those teams that went all in? Oh, I wish Green Bay would go all in. What about the teams that went all in? The Saints went all in. Are they the best team in the NFC? Are they even the best team in their own division? No. Or at least maybe not. So I want people to enjoy what's happening right now in Green Bay because this team has a chance to be special. They still have a chance to win a Super Bowl. And that ultimately is what matters. And speaking of the things that matter, delicious food matters. Delicious food always matters. And Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar has six new flavors to go along with their 12 original flavors. New flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp. And that's to go with their stable of championship flavor, salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, toffee almond, double chocolate, and the list goes on and on. Built Bar is great because not only does it taste like a candy bar, but it is not going to hurt your body like a candy bar. It's not full of garbage. It's low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's great even for the keto diet. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com to get 20% off. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Freighter and Medical College of Wisconsin. With the power of academic medicine, the Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network makes more possible more humanly possible for patients like Aaron Rodgers does for his offense. 
more innovations that lead to life-saving treatments, more breakthroughs for complex diseases, and more locations across the region so that academic medicine is never far. But what exactly is academic medicine anyway? First, it's rare. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network is Eastern Wisconsin's only academic health system. Academic medicine makes possible leading-edge primary and specialty care, research to find groundbreaking cures, and the education of the next generation of healthcare professionals. Academic medical centers provide greater access to clinical trials, which can lead to breakthrough treatments and life-saving drugs. Freighter and MCW physicians have been a part of many scientific discoveries of new ways to prevent, diagnose, and treat diseases. It all adds up to more possibilities. And when we do everything humanly possible, you can too. To learn more, visit www.freighter.com. We did get a little bit of news over the weekend. Uh, the Packers added another player to their COVID-19 list. In fact, added two players uh, Chris Barnes tested positive, and then Jordan Love was added to the COVID-19 list as a high-risk close contact. He is Barnes's roommate, so it's not as though there's some sort of you know uh, break in protocol there. Uh, it's just that if you're going to be in a hotel room with someone, uh, it's probably going to be a high-risk situation. So the good news is for Green Bay, they get the extra time. Uh, to, to get everyone back and in shape back from last week. And and then moving forward, uh, if you get Barnes back for Indianapolis, that would be great. Uh, remember, they you need to have the the consecutive negative tests to get back out there. And, and it, it could take a little while for all of these things to coalesce for Green Bay. No outbreaks so far, no major issues. And, and I think that's really important as we look toward what's going on around the league. A lot of teams are having to put uh, players on these lists. Guys are testing positive. They've got the close contact situations. Uh, it did turn out that the Kendrick Bourne positive from last week was a false positive and that all of those guys, had it been a Sunday game, would have been able to play Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, uh, and, and maybe maybe impacts you know who wins and who lo- who loses certainly impacts you know how how close the game is maybe Green Bay still wins of course we cannot say for sure and, and Green Bay's not going to apologize for winning because they can only play who's available to them and and they can only play the teams with whoever is available to those teams at the time all right we're gonna have expert Tuesday tomorrow is how you doing on Wednesday crossover Thursday and of course. Our Friday live show. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.